Huh. All right, dude. You ready? Yeah, man. Uh, tell me, uh, why are we out here in the woods again? Uh, well, it, it's kind of complicated. There, there's something I need out here. Yeah, there's something that I need to grab out here, and then we can go back to the hotel, I promise. Creepy out here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What? I, I don't want to scare you or anything, but apparently these three guys were murdered and dismembered out here a long time ago. You know, there's actually a documentary I've been meaning to. Was that? Uh, 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 not, not, nah, man. Uh, that, that was just a, uh, uh, a, 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 a sloth. It was just a sloth. In California? Ooh. Don't mind if I do. Chef select. Farm to table. You sure you're allowed to do that, man? Isn't this like, I don't know, fucking protected up here? (coughs) 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 No, dude, it's all good. It's all good. My buddy is this investigative journalist, Dave. And he said, I think we should run. Does this fucking Sasquatch have a fucking French accent? <laughs> Do not tell anybody, but I am smuggling le weed from California to Quebec. Now try some of this. Le sticky icky. <laughs> Dude, my man. Who knew that Sassy was a bro? All right. Le I'm so like that all that hair is all natural, dude. Dude, let me touch it. Let me run my fingers through it. Size feet, but other than that, <laughs> not your Bigfoot, oh. of which there is only one. You mean the cryptid Big Feet? I mean the cryptid Big Feet. That's I know. Right. I know. There's a shitty horror game on Steam. Yes. I know he's often drawn as a gorilla, which makes no fucking sense. Uh, yes. I know he's called Sasquatch. 
I know rednecks fucking love going and videotaping themselves in the woods trying to find him, but that's they sure do. That's about the limit of my expertise on yawn the yawn squatch. More than rednecks, yeah. you might be surprised to to learn specifically the type of people that go looking for a Sasquatch. I am not one of them. However, David Holthouse is. Do you know who David Holthouse is? I don't have any goddamn idea who this is. Should I say is. David Holthouse is for the third time in a row? Yeah, sure. David Holthouse is. There's four. David Holthouse is a really interesting investigative journalist that I only really came to know recently mm-hmm. through a documentary series about Bigfoot called Sasquatch. Okay. Have you seen Sasquatch? No, never. This is outside well, my usual purview too. Like when I go for documentaries, usually I like either true crime or like really relaxing kind of, I don't know what you want to call them, nature documentaries or travel documentaries or something like that. So not Jack only Andy. Have, yeah, exactly. Not only have I not seen Squatch, I've not seen really anything like a documentary about like a cryptid or anything like that. Really? I think I've seen like something about maybe like skywalker ranch or something like that but yeah skinwalker ranch yeah sorry, yeah, sorry not skywalker i mean ranch. listen yeah, there is Lucas. some weird ass shit that happens at skywalker ranch don't get me wrong yes, i do mean skinwalker ranch but yeah skywalker <laughs> but, ranch i i want to see some of those hidden films that george lucas is supposedly only making for himself that's like the recipe for some like really sick shit you know what i mean george lucas absolutely is the closest thing that we have to an existing eldritch deity you remember when he went around and he was saying that he made the first ever all black film with red tails even though that was very patently untrue that was like part of his marketing campaign for that as he kept saying it was the first all black film and everybody's like george stop saying that (laughs) well i assure you that it is not that type of cryptid cool I assure you that this documentary is not about George Lucas. And I assure you that we will be watching more documentaries about cryptids in our time together here. Mm -hmm. But Sasquatch is of a different breed. Sasquatch, I really like a lot for the things that it does differently Mm -hmm. than um, most of the cryptid style documentaries, right? Like, um, Documentaries are a dime a dozen. Um, You can find as good or as bad of a documentary about anything you want on any of the various streaming services. Yeah. I went through a period of my life where (laughs) like all I watched were documentaries Mm -hmm. because I just kind of got tired of like fiction stuff. So I was kind of in between jobs. I didn't really do anything it like that point in my life except sit around and play xbox and smoke cigarettes inside the house like an (laughs) like an asshole (laughs) okay and so i got really down the road of documentaries right Mm. and um you see a lot of shit you see a lot of bad stuff um like poorly produced stuff and uh one of them though that i i do want to mention is an honorable mention that i think kind of walks the line of bad and good is another cryptid style sort of hybrid true crime documentary called Cropsy. Have you ever seen Cropsy or heard of it? No, I'm assuming it's about like crop circles or something like that. No, it's actually about this really dirty old man that lived in the woods or something like that. Oh, okay, that's weird. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like this guy that would like, and he just kind of, 
like the real life story is just, he's a dude and like he kind of became like an urban legend. And it was this thing in certain parts of the country where it was like, oh, cropsy. Right. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I liked so much about that specific documentary. Film, or whatever you want to call it, is it walked the line of fact and fiction. Mm -hmm. There was an obvious gimmick happening to it. Right. And they still managed to represent a lot of the truth about it. But some of the footage, right, that you saw the filmmakers uh, in that they were going to research areas of uh, like this Cropsey character, mm -hmm. um, they were clearly sort of just buying into it. Right. Oh, okay. It was like, we're going to show some documentary stuff. And then the footage of us walking through the woods, we're going to act like we're scared. We're going to act like it's, right. you know, even though the rest of the film is sort of debunking it. Right. Mm -hmm. But I always found that really interesting because it's not something that I'm exactly used to with a lot of that type of content. So it was unique for me to watch it because I was like, oh, this is kind of like kayfabe in a way. Right. This yeah. is kind of one of those things where like, like wrestling, you suspend your disbelief a little bit. It's fun to watch that specific film and see the facts and see the things that they're telling you about the truth of it. And then seeing that footage of on site and then suspending your disbelief while you have all this information backing it. I totally understand that because while I don't watch documentaries about cryptids, like I love the X-Files. I like shows like yeah. Project Blue Book. I like the Mothman Conspiracy. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, oh, uh, I like those movies because like. If I'm going to go watch a movie about a cryptid, I don't want you to be like, oh, oh cryptids aren't real. Like, no shit. You know what I mean? Like, make yeah. it interesting. <laughs> like, that's imagine the X-Files if uh, Mulder did not believe. You know what I mean? That would be an extremely boring show. Exactly. So, yeah. Right. That's a per that's a perfect example. Right. It is fun to believe. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So I always found that really interesting and it always kept me coming back to it and it always kept me recommending it. Right. Um, so with th this style of. Uh, documentary with this style of film. That's really what I'm looking for, mm -hmm. right? I want to see something that's not about, that's not just, Hey, have you heard of Bigfoot? Yeah. Here's a bunch of blurry photos and all the information that you've seen for your entire, you know, existence. Anytime you see Bigfoot on TV or some kind of television special or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It, um, what was I saying? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, you're saying it was like collecting all the Bigfoot stuff that I had seen so far. Yeah. So it what I really like about this and what I'm really looking for is something that's going to pull me in. Mm -hmm. That's more than just the information. Yeah. Enter Sasquatch. Sasquatch was released on Hulu this past year. And a lot of the craze of documentaries since the pandemic has started. As we are locked up at home, as we're watching or looking for things to watch, rather, mm -hmm. when you run out of the stuff that's guaranteed to pop you, you start fishing. And where else do you start fishing except for documentaries? The crazies. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I found Sasquatch and the premise of it. The premise of it is quite interesting. Mm -hmm. So Sasquatch is about David Holthouse, a investigative journalist who from his own website, I will say and repeat to you. It simply states that 
I was a rock and gonzo journalist. I wrote a first-person essay about surviving childhood sexual assault. It became a radio piece and then a play. I investigated neo-Nazis. Now I make documentaries. Interesting. Is he that a is, nu- is he a nut job or so? And I mean that in the best possible way. Like, is he like? Here's a here's the way of asking this question: Is he Mulder or is he Scully? Ooh. If it's relevant to the show, don't bring it up. But that's a, that's my first. He's question. Mulder. Okay. Okay. I'm excited. He's Mulder. Now. Yeah. Okay. He's Mulder. Okay. He's Mulder because. You'll see. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to give away yeah, too much. And that's the thing. If it's if it's part of like the journey, then that's fine. I just when you hear investigative journalist dot 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 Sasquatch, it's like, okay, right? This goes mm-hmm. one of two ways. So yeah. So, you know, immediately his style of mm-hmm. documenting this stuff and going through it and talking about it and reporting on it and everything, it's immediately like gripping because mm-hmm. He has a career and a past in, you know, um, that style of cropsy kind of gonzo representation, right? Something that is, you know, exaggerated or in a fictionalized style, right? So he's already got a lot of, he's long in the tooth in that kind of content. And he's also somebody that went undercover with neo-Nazis at one point in his life, right? To report on them. Yeah. He's an absolute madman in the best way possible, right? And again, you know, he's somebody that is a victim of sexual assault as a child and speaks very poignantly about that. Mm -hmm. And um, This American Life was actually the outlet that picked that story up and turned it into a radio piece. And then it's it's been an off-Broadway play since. So it's a very compelling, very, very good story, Um, you know. He's good at what he does. Yeah. So he tells an incredible story here, right? So it's immediately, it immediately grabs you because his style is very rich in that gonzo representation, right? It's not just that I was in California and heard about three guys who were ripped apart and dismembered by Sasquatch. It's that I fucking believe it happened, right? Uh, Okay, yeah. He lives, he lives in his own stories. That's such a perfect way to put it. Right. And, and, and in like, in the best way possible too, right. Not he lives within his own stories in that he himself becomes, you know, a player in those in Mm -hmm. a way, like, you know, he gets too invested or he's like that one guy. What's the fucking documentary? It's, um, it's a real famous one, and I can't remember it for the life of me. But a super, lot of people supersize me. No, <laughs> well, yes, but no. Um, it, this one specifically, I'm thinking about is about a guy that like he goes and he investigates the use of uh, like drugs and PEDs and bodybuilding, and then he himself gets hooked on them because part of his like investigation. But he's not like that, right? Mm-hmm. He's somebody that he's investigating Sasquatch, and he fucking thinks it happened. But he's also just looking to get to the truth. Was it actually Sasquatch? Do the details line up the way that I think they do? What if I start calling people and asking them what they remember about this murder back in the 90s? About these people that were found ripped apart by Sasquatch in the woods, right? Mm -hmm. It's got that very authentic 
curiosity. Yeah. Right. And I think why I love it so much is because I myself feel that way about a lot of this stuff. You know, I am not like religious or spiritual or believe in ghosts in any way, shape or form, as we've talked about previously on the show. So I also walk into these things with a very heightened sense of, I don't want to say disbelief, but skepticism. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that you and I are similar too, in that like we we've talked about off pod a lot that I've, I've done a lot of reading in my personal time, just because I find it fascinating on things like cryptids on paranormal events on the occult. I don't believe that any of that shit is real, but it's fascinating to me and it's fun to think about what it would be like if it was real. Yeah, exactly. There's there's lots of unexplained phenomena on earth. It doesn't mean that it's witches and warlocks or Bigfoot, but it's cool that there's a mystery and it's fun to think about the mystery. Right. Exactly. And I think too, that there's this extra, um, at least for me, there's this extra empathetical nature to that kind of stuff where like, I am not the type of person to say if you've seen Sasquatch or you've been affected by what you think is an alien encounter in some way mm-hmm. that there's just flat out no possible way that it's ever going to be true or provable. Right. Right. People have their experiences. And just as it is irresponsible to say it is definitely this, it's also irresponsible to say it's definitely not that. Right. Yeah. So as big of a skeptic as I am. And as much disbelief as I do have, I think there's an empathetical respect that goes along with indulging these kinds of stories, right? And that's one of the other aspects of Sasquatch that I really, really love. He talks to Sasquatch people a lot, and you'll see that a lot of the stuff that people say is really grounded in this. I had an experience, Mm -hmm. right? It affected me. And that is a theme that cuts through to the real story of what's happening here. I had an experience and it has affected me. Mm -hmm. And this is what's so interesting uh, to me too about their presentation is it's not enough to just represent that in the stories and in the cinematography and in the people that they talk to. I have such a big appreciation for artistic license and uh, being uh, unique and and free in the way that you represent your art. And Sasquatch is by far my favorite documentary to watch from a sheer eye candy perspective mm-hmm. because it takes place in the Emerald Triangle. Do you know what the Emerald Triangle is? No, I'm assuming it's something to do with trees in like the Northwest. Sounds oh, like some does shit. it have to do with trees? Oh, is this a a, marijuana thing? It is a region in Northern California named due to it being the largest cannabis producing region in the United States. And it is made up of three counties in an upside down triangular shape. Humboldt, Trinity and Mendocino, the Emerald Triangle. These fucking stoners. Of course, they're seeing Bigfoot. They're hopped out of their mind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so what's really fucking interesting about this place, right, is that it was 
heavily targeted by the DEA. Oh yeah. During the during the the war have, on, on drugs. I have seen a documentary about this area actually about the yeah. the warring uh cannabis gangs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and oh and what's so cool is like they even show like footage of the DEA like uh some of their bus and everything cuz like they they go into a little bit of history and backstory about what's going on with yeah. uh you know with um the Emerald Triangle and like sort of the history of it and they show this old news footage and they even show this one. They, he talks to the John talks to this one guy at one point that was part of the task force that was like investigating yeah. up there and like busting all those guys. He even has a hat that's like it. It seriously, it, it looks like an old Navy warship hat that you see some of the veterans wear. Yeah. Right. And it's like. You're just a fucking cop. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you're literally a cop and you're wearing this hat like you went to actual war. Right. And that's yeah. not to discount any of the experiences that those guys had. That's just to say how seriously these guys took these like yeah. operations mm -hmm. that went into into this situation. Right. Yeah. So you can kind of see where some of the story kind of is starting to take shape. Right. Mm hmm. Three guys were found dead in the Emerald Triangle. Sasquatch is the acclaimed perpetrator. Right. The war on drugs was happening at this time. Yeah. Was it really Sasquatch? Yeah, exactly. It's a very easy premise. And then you would expect, this is why I asked, right? And I, I worded it in my own very special way. Is he a nut job, right? Where you kind of... There's a story here, regardless of whether or not it's being told by a Mulder type, by someone who believes. There's a story here where someone shows up and he listens to the Sasquatch stuff and then he coldly and logically breaks down all of the known facts and comes up with a skeptics uh, hypothesis, right? Exactly. And I think my absolute favorite thing about the documentary and one thing that I just really can't wait to show you mm -hmm. is lots of these stories and lots of the sound bites that you'll hear from people here are set to an animated version of the story that they're telling what and wait when you is, say animated hang on are we talking like bank and rass i'm talking hand-drawn like I, I don't know why i said bank and rass rank and bass but you know what i mean yeah what do you mean? Rankin I don't know Bass, what you mean. Like the they animated the Hobbit movie. They did a lot oh, of those old fuck like, shit. Yeah. Um. Kinda. Um. Sort. Sorta. Okay. Uh, you'll see. It's it's great, right? It, it's honestly, it's one of the first things. The second that we turned the documentary on, it happens really quickly. The first time in like in like right in the beginning, and I was just like, "Fuck yeah!" Right? Because like, <laughs> it just. Because the soundtrack, right, that they have set to it and the nature of the story and the story that they're telling and the way that it's animated, it just fucking hits, dude. Yeah. It immediately puts you into that. I got to find out because. Documentaries are largely stories. Mm -hmm. You are banking on a lot of the time. The for you're banking on the subject, you're banking on the material, right? The subject matter of the documentary to be interesting enough to carry somebody's attention. Yeah. And I think that 
there's something to be said about the way that Sasquatch achieves that with these animated pieces, because you're talking about a story of something that happened in the 1990s that is not recorded. Mm -hmm. There's no footage of it. The only thing that you would find regarding this is maybe a newspaper article about it. Mm -hmm. Holt House is relying exclusively on word of mouth stories for a large portion of this information. You need to give a visual representation of what's happening. If there are no news clips, if there are no video camera footage or, or cell phone, cell phone videos, you have to give something for somebody to grab onto visually. And this not only, in my opinion, achieves that, but it actually enhances the quality of the documentary because I was hooked from minute one. That's cool. I'm, I'm pretty hyped up about this. This seems like the kind of thing that I really gel with. I mean, it, it kind of sounds like some documentaries I've even seen recently. Like I'm a big fan, for example, of this sounds terrible because it's all it's all about real life, horrible shit. But I'm a real big fan of Unsolved Mysteries, which recently came oh, back. Oh, yeah. Right? Hell yeah, dude. And Absolutely. I'm getting kind of Unsolved Mystery vibes here where a lot of it because, I mean, it's unsolved for a reason. There's usually not a lot of evidence or it's just been so much time, right, where it's a lot of oral recounts of what actually happened and then they have like animations or dramatic reenactments or stuff like that to kind of hook you in right to make you empathize with what's going on exactly and i think the way that i would describe how sasquatch achieves that with its animation cells is it's not just to show Mm -hmm. but it is to hook right like it's very obviously uh uh, an artistic direction that said, how can we put them here with us? Right. Mm -hmm. How can we set the scene appropriately? I just, I love it. It's great. This documentary is good for a lot of reasons. And we are going to go watch this documentary right now. It is three parts on Hulu. You can go watch it right now. If you have a Hulu subscription, you can go start a free trial with a fake email, watch it, then cancel it. Go watch this documentary. Come back, talk about it with us, because the real reason that I wanted to watch this is because I love weed. <laughs> OK, well, uh, I'm glad that you're living your real life. But uh, <laughs> if this if this documentary doesn't prove the existence of Bigfoot, you will have wasted my time and we will have a problem. You and I. Well, let's find out what happens, Scott. Yes, let's. I'm excited. Let's go see away we go. Let's go see big hairy dudes. That's it. <laughs> big fucking hairy dudes. Yeah. I love big hairy dudes. <laughs> Sick. All right.
So how do you feel about Sasquatch? I have, in the last several hours, considered more about Sasquatch than I probably have in the remainder of my lifetime. Uh, it is a... I'm going to go ahead and give away my thoughts at the start. It is a gripping story. Not because of any type of mythology, not because of even necessarily the details of the story, but because of the way that the story itself has been crafted and presented. It is a nonstop roller coaster ride of questioning the motivations of the director and the presenter questioning facts that have been presented to you questioning the nature of that particular uh, triangle, whatever they call it, the green triangle, the emerald triangle. triangle questioning everything. And it just wraps itself up in a beautiful little bow that I absolutely did not see coming. It, it is a, it is a great documentary. I even told you right after we finished watching it in terms of true crime adjacent documentaries, I think it is one of the best ones I've ever seen. It's, it's such a great fucking story. Man. Yeah. Uh, I, let's start with the story because uh well yeah i mean i i didn't want to give away too much no. about what was happening right it's top because like i think that if you were to just ask me like summarize this before we start i probably would have said it is as much about bigfoot as it isn't yeah it because i think that's that's really like at the top of the at the top of the story it really sort of starts driving that Bigfoot theme immediately. Yeah, it's it's a little it puts you on the back foot at first because um, coming into it, right, you you're immediately graced with uh, our presenters. What was his name again? Oh, David Holthouse. Yeah. David Holthouse. So David Hol- Holthouse is a investigative journalist and he is an immaculate storyteller. And you get this immediately because he paints us a picture quite literally in the uh, actual film where there is an animatic kind of in the background, like showing us his story, but he just, he crafts this tale of, yeah, I was just kind of working on a dope farm out in California in 93. Cause I went to go hang out with my buddy. And one night we were just hanging out in this ramshackle cabin owned by the farm owner. And two tweakers came in and said, they saw Bigfoot kill three guys. What was that all about? Right. And just kind of the kind of the nonchalance. It's not nonchalance because he he paints the story very well. He like he gives you these details that make you feel like you're there and you can tell that he's thought about this a lot. Like I tried to make myself one with the couch, he says at one point. Right. Like he doesn't want to be Mm -hmm. he doesn't want any part of whatever is happening. And rightly so. Right. But you're immediately drawn into this wackadoo story about bigfoot killing three people on a dope farm in 93 yeah and it starts you on the back foot because you think coming from like true crime documentaries even something like unsolved mysteries like okay well normal people would just throw out the bigfoot angle entirely 
right? The, at the first, yeah. the first moment, somebody killed these yeah, men. No, exactly. He, he spends right. he spends the entire first episode talking to squatchers, the yeah. people <laughs> that make it their life's goal to find Sasquatch, right? So, and these squatchers are oh, something else. They're man. a trip. Uh, it, like some of them, you can tell it's like. Like, so there's the 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 ones that come to mind. Our our dramatis personae, our cast of characters is uh, the guy I keep calling Bigfoot Bob, the Napoleon Dynamite kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> there's uh, a married couple, two guys that are that it said they were life partners, right? Uh, uh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They uh they're two squatchers. There's a professor, and then they eventually go and interview the guy that originated that had like the most famous bigfoot film bob gimlin bob gimlin that's his name so yeah the patterson gimlin film is like the most famous bigfoot footage of all time it's the one that you've all seen of bigfoot like the guys riding the horse and then fucking bigfoot goes walking by and he turns around and like the way that bob gimlin talks about it in this episode i love it so much because he's like "And, and you can tell by by the way that she turns and looks at me on my horse, you can just see that that's Bigfoot. It's like, all right, man. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's the self-assured demeanor of either an absolute genius or an absolute fool. Right. He even says at one point, and like, I, I think, I think you, you called it out while we were watching it, but he was like, well, I say that it's real and you say that it isn't. So prove to me that it isn't. Yeah, exactly. No, no, (laughs) there is no one more certain than the insane man. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's, he, he knows that he is absolutely a charlatan and he just does not give a shit because he knows that people care about him. But then you have the squatchers that are like, Bigfoot is absolutely real. I've never seen one, but right. Here's all this evidence. And that itself talking to Bob Gimlin, I, I think talking to Bob Gimlin, he, that sets the tone for his general stance on it. Cause up to that point, yeah, he's talking to squatchers and he's like, so where do big feet hang out? Right. Where do yeah, Sasquatches uh-huh. hang out? What do they do? Are they violent? Would it make sense for them to attack people? Right. And he gets these varying stories for anywhere from no, they're peaceful, like the hippie outlook, they're peaceful creatures of nature to oh, they yeah. will absolutely kill you. Right. Well, like, that retired cop that had like a literal panic yeah. attack thinking about his squash experience. Yeah, there there was one guy, the most the most genuine story. Uh it some some of them didn't have experiences, but the most genuine story, he uh talks to a former cop that Claims that he encountered a Bigfoot or something. He, like he cla- wading through water, I yeah. think. Well, I think he said he was like fishing or something like that. But yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was in the water and he noticed across the riverbank something that he describes as a Bigfoot. And you can see the palpable panic on this man years and years <laughs> later. He's yeah. having an actual panic attack remembering it. And he's like, yeah, I just ran for my life because I could feel that this thing was going to hurt me. And badly. this man thought he was going to die yeah and And i don't say that to make light of it i mean this is the most genuine like you were saying the most genuine like 
holy fuck it's a sasquatch reaction out of all the squatchers he talks to yeah because it, it like whether or not it was sasquatch or a bear or whatever it doesn't matter that it affected this dude very yeah. deeply right and i i love too that he shows the entire spectrum of squatchers yeah right like like across this like as he's talking to them right he's talking to the two guys that you were talking about which is like they were effectively like I felt like I was watching us talk about fighting games. Yeah. Like right. looking the watching these two guys talk. Cause like, I love the one where he's like, well, you think he can teleport? Yeah. No, I do not. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could just say, well, you think that's plus on block? No, I don't. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely the people that like they're enthusiasts, right? They're not yeah. experts. They're right. not professionals. They're just two right. people with a shared enthusiasm for a thing, right? And it comes out in yeah. banter. And it, but then, yeah. like, well, you're probably going to this, like the professor, right? That's like, yeah, exactly. It's exactly yeah. where I was going, right? So there's a professor that, um, professor of anthropology and something, right? And yeah. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I can't remember if they said what university he works for or whatever, but. Uh, he's giving this more clinical breakdown of like, yeah, there's like lots of stories of wild men in our history. And it's entirely uh, I think he even describes it as someone says, do you believe in like whenever interviewers ask me, do you believe in Sasquatch? I say no. And I say yeah. the evidence makes me makes me conclude that there must be a Sasquatch. Right. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like right. He's he's. He's a believer, but he's coming from it. Like he's like if Scully believed. Scully would believe if there was a trail of evidence that led her to conclude something, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, whether or not you believe the evidence the way that this guy does, I don't know. But it, yeah, like you said, he just he paints this completely different picture of all the different aspects of it. And then you've got Gimlin that's like so absolutely full of shit. And they even go and inter- <laughs> they interview the guy that alleges he was the one in the suit that they filmed, right? Yeah, and right. they're talking about their petty feud because they're neighbors now, <laughs> and he he won't he waves at him but won't look at him. Yeah, well, I love I love when he says, uh, and I can't remember his name, um, but the guy that was in the suit allegedly in the suit is when he's like, uh, he's like, well, you know, it, he he drives by all the time and he doesn't even wave to me. And his wife's like in like from the distance, she's like, well, he, he waves to you all the time. He changes the story. Don't look at me. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, he waves to me, but it doesn't look at me. Yeah. It's uh, a, it's a trip, but yeah, we spend that first episode just kind of, I, I'm not going to lie. Episode one did not have me hooked. The initial premise had me hooked and I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? Right. Like, yeah, that's that's why I knew we had to go immediately into episode two. I was like, we're not even going to do a postmortem on this one. Yeah, we're going right to episode two. I was like, what the fuck are we doing? And then we launched into episode two and episode two is where I would argue Sasquatch begins because we start moving away from the mythology and into not necessarily even the facts, but the reality of the situation, right? Right. He starts digging. He starts asking questions. He starts trying to find out, first of all, did this even happen? Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. it was 26 years ago that I heard this story or whatever. Not 26. 1993. What was that? 26. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, almost 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was so long ago that I even heard this story. 
when, like, where do I, um, like, where do I begin? Is anyone even around that would remember this shit? Like he, I think he says at one point, like, oh, the tweakers are probably gone. You know what I mean? They have a very small shelf life. There's no way that they're still around 26 years later. You know what I right. mean? So he calls up his buddy. This, this might've been an episode one, but he calls up his buddy and he starts getting names and he starts digging. And it becomes kind of almost uh, a true crime documentary at that point. He's just trying to smoke out leads and he's trying to uh, put names in places. He ends up with a name. Uh, he talks to uh, Razor. Razor, dude. I love Razor. So Razor looks like like um, a, like a character in Breaking Bad. Yeah. <laughs> Razor. I love it. Like he's a real life Breaking Bad character. Razor is an interesting character because he's how do I describe this? There's a tension throughout most of the documentary in that uh, David Holdhouse is looking into things that he probably shouldn't. Right. There are there are people with a vested interest in knowledge of what actually happened that night never coming out right so, you kind of get your first uh, taste of that with razor yeah where he's talking to this guy who's otherwise very amenable razor he's a felon he's done time he was a former grower he he has some connections on the he's mountain legit now yeah he's legit now uh and he'll bring up a name and razor will be like, like you'll his demeanor totally changed like, i don't want to talk about that I don't want to talk about that. You know what I mean? You yeah, should. You should like, talk yeah, about that. I don't want to talk about that guy. He, yeah, he hires a private detective that jumps off the case at a certain point and sends him a text message like, "Hey, I have a family. Uh, you should probably stop asking questions about this." Right? That's like, honestly like um, the like I I I love how how well it communicates that like om- ominous feeling. When yeah. stuff like that goes down, because I still even I mean, I've seen this like three or four times, I think. Uh, and this might this might be my like the fifth time I've seen it watching it with you here. And even still. When he gets those text messages from the P.I. and he's like. I feel I have a moral obligation to warn you that you are venturing into some very dangerous territory here. Yeah, I have a family to protect you. Be careful is I think is exactly almost exactly how those text messages come across to him and how they show up on screen. And even still now, I still get that pit in my stomach of like, oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? That is so, so spooky. Well, he's talking about because he he sets the stage for himself and the culture because he talks about himself. He's an investigative journalist. He's gone undercover with skinheads. He's gone undercover with both sides of rival gang wars. David Holdhouse is a nut job in the yeah. best possible way, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Um, he t- he describes himself as like um, the criminals are drawn to me for reasons that I don't want to explore, right? He's like he he just he exudes an aura that we talked about this because I'm a weirdo that likes occult stuff, right? There is a theory of people that are called beacons, right? There are some people that believe this, that the paranormal is drawn to certain people that for one reason or another 
are like a beacon in space right now. Realistically, that could just be overly perceptive people or people that constantly put themselves out there. For example, people that ghost hunt are more likely to have quote unquote ghost experiences because they're going out into weird places. Right. Right. So Mm -hmm. there's that line of thought, but he establishes himself as like, I'm a pretty bad fucking dude as far as things (laughs) go. Right. And he's like shaking at some of these points because he's afraid for his life. I mean, obviously, but, and they spend a lot of time talking about the culture of how we got to this point. And they talk about, uh, camp, this uh, paramilitary operation to destroy the the marijuana farming efforts out there in the Emerald mm-hmm. Triangle, and yeah, like like I was telling, like I was saying before we watched it, like it's crazy when you talked when he talks to some of these guys from camp. It's crazy how much they feel like they were part of an actual war. Oh yeah. Where and this is one of my favorite parts of this documentary when he's talking to the camp guys. And then he's also, they're weaving that in and out of footage of him talking about some of the back to the landers yeah, and some of the growers and some of the hippie growers that were up there at that point, because like at a certain point and, and we're getting, we're getting here, we're getting here um, shortly, but at a certain point, this movie tips into leaning pretty much entirely into the criminal underworld yeah. part of this industry. But they linger a very, very long time on showing you and uh, talking to people from these back to the land situations and from these like more more hippie situation and these growers and everything. And um, like that's one of my favorite parts of this documentary, because you have these guys from camp wearing the hats that's have like the this yeah. is camp 93 and it's a patch that almost looks like they were trying to sort of make it look like they were in vietnam yeah. it's like a yeah. helicopter with Absolutely. a sunset behind it with like mm-hmm. this big pot field underneath it and it says camp uh if you grow it we will come and yeah. stuff like that right and it's just like they show this footage of them coming down with their assault rifles and all this like military gear and then there's just these hippies yeah. with their kids the, in slings, sucking on teddies, breastfeeding, yeah. right? Like it's it's the literal back to the landers, right? Like yes. just like because <laughs> it's important too. It's it's beyond just that that um that little nugget of like, oh yeah, like big fucking camp dudes picking on hippies, right? Like yeah, it's it, right. but it mm-hmm. also explains how we've come to where we are with three guys getting murdered by Sasquatch on the hill because camp came in. So the back to the landers, it's a very, it's a very easy to follow through line as far as the the movie presents it. The back to the landers move to the mountains. There's not a lot of job opportunities in the mountains. Well, marijuana makes money. Let's grow marijuana. Right. So they all start growing marijuana. And then the government comes in and says, Hey, that's illegal. Uh, we're going to fly in with helicopters and uh, M16s and we're going to, by force, uh, destroy all of your livelihood. Right. The the yep. devil's lettuce. It's got to go yeah. <laughs> by yeah. any means necessary. So they destroy Correct. all that and all the back to the landers move out. And then people like the hell's angels move in. That's who right. Don't, who don't give a shit and will fight back. Right. Mm-hmm. So now where it was. I mean, I, we don't know, but theoretically, right? Peaceful hippies in their commune growing weed. Now we've got hardened criminal elements 
with a vested interest in protecting their empire. And he's unraveling this kind of through line for us of, especially if you don't know anything about the region, right? Hey, this place isn't safe at all. Yeah. Right. It's not the, when we say marijuana operations, it isn't hippies. It isn't like nice farms stacked right right next to each other. It's, it's these hardened criminal types hiding them in the wilderness. So they can't be found that they get them jacked constantly. They're armed to the teeth. Yeah, and they're almost feral people. Yeah. So well, and and like there's there's there is that escalation, right? Because like, you know, you have you have the back to the landers, you have the 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 peace, the peace loving hippies in there, right? And as things continue to get raided, right? And as as camp in the in the DEA continues to become a more forceful presence, and as they escalate their interaction with this region. Um, and as it gets bigger in operation and escalates in, in aggression and violence, um, you have that exact escalation on their on the hippie side, too. Right. Because it started with just like and they talked to a couple of the the former growers yeah. there that were mm-hmm. some of the back of the landers. And it was like, oh, well, I used to tie my plants to these trees so that they would blend in. And then we very shortly moved to, oh, well, we would hang fishing hooks on yeah. fishing wire at eye level around our and install motion detectors. Right. So it went from like this sort of like sort of nonchalant, innocent way of just protecting your own farm into, you know, the camp's coming down and they're taking all the crop. And because of that, the price of it is skyrocketing on the street and in the black market. So when you are growing, it's worth 10, 15, 20 times more than it ever was. So you have 10, 15, 20 times more the the rating and, you know, people yeah. coming in and stealing your crop and messing with it. And that's on top of camp and the DEA and everything. So it es- it just has this major escalation over yeah. this course of time from hiding plants under trees that also kind of look like marijuana to we have M16s and we're hippies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Well, it's it's setting the stage because we then go from that to like discussions with Brazer and he finally gets a name, right? That he never yeah. plays for us. We, we get this really like comic looking, comic book looking font that appears on screen every time they blank out his name where it just says alleged killer because yeah. alleged killer is a associate of the hell's angels motorcycle club. If you don't know anything about the hell's angels, you should at least Google them very quickly. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so this is a the rolling stones about the hell's angels. Yeah, exactly. So, Oh God. Uh, but th- <laughs> this is the equivalent of being a made man, right? This guy for 90%, not even 90 for 99% of people on earth is functionally untouchable. Right. Mm-hmm. He is a bad dude. He will fuck you up or he will have his even scarier friends fuck you up. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we get this name and it immediately shifts the tone because up till now, it's basically been all world building. Like I said, episode one did not have me hooked. Episode two, I was starting to get more on train. But then right at the end, we get this idea that. We have these informants, these snitches, basically, that are coming to David and saying like, hey, you know, this sounds like something that alleged killer might have done. 
You know what I mean? He's a known associate of such and such people. And maybe they just maybe they killed him. Right. These people right. were torn to shreds, but that doesn't mean that a Sasquatch did it. Yep. You can tear people to shreds very easily. Right. Right. So we we go from episode two into a major development in episode three where and episode three is very clearly the best episode. Right. Uh, for me, like, I think episode three is the documentary. Like, I think I think that, like, you know, world building is the right word for what happens in, ep- in episode one. Right. Like you have to sort of establish that base of because there are concepts and themes that that, that you know, are really prevalent throughout this entire story and the way that it's presented. Right. And it's about the concept of monsters and their creation. Yeah. Why do we create them? How are they created? What purpose do they serve? Right. And it really has this theme around almost like, you know, sort of like uh, protection almost, I want to say. But we really revisit those questions a lot with this. Yeah. Right? And this is and what so good. No, go well, so like episode one really starts establishing that. Right. Like here is the monster mm-hmm. Sasquatch. And the people that believe in Sasquatch and the people that that are enthusiasts and follow Sasquatch. And then we start talking about the monsters that exist in real life. Mm -hmm. And then we eventually make our way into the real monster. Right. Yeah. So. So we're episode three. One of the big milestones of it is like kind of the reveal of why the show is so called Sasquatch, which is like an uh, increasingly evolving thing. Right. So yeah. at the end of episode two, David basically has this lead on, uh, Diana, uh, this poor girl, you can tell she's been through a lot, but, uh, <laughs> there was a murder in 2013 of this guy, yeah. Hugo Alea Lopez. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, alleged killer, was brought in for questioning right so he has this idea that maybe they're related right maybe these murders are related and we eventually find out that one of alleged killers known associates is a big big time grower in the area and people have this very tangible and palpable fear of him and these snitches basically give david the story that maybe these three uh Mexicans, these undocumented workers were murdered because they messed with the wrong guy's daughter, quote yeah. unquote. Right. There's right. this story going around that this guy who has the nickname Bigfoot, Bigfoot Gary, <laughs> his yeah. daughter got strung out by these guys and they raped her. And that's basically he did this in retaliation. And it's a believable story as it's presented because he's hearing the same snippets of this story from multiple sources, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is a moment in episode three where you're like, that's why this is called Sasquatch, right? He yep. himself goes back to the past in his mind and he's like, did I hear that a Bigfoot killed these guys? Or did I hear yeah. that Bigfoot, Bigfoot. killed yeah. these guys, right? And you have that moment where you've like, oh, wow. Right. That's so Uh cool. Right. That's why it's Mm -hmm. called. It is a movie about Sasquatch, just not that Sasquatch. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
he tracks this lead down. He goes through a couple other stories that don't pan out. And basically he finds out that turns out Bigfoot doesn't have a daughter. Or he didn't have a daughter at the time. And he was allegedly wasn't even in the area. So chances are very slim that he had anything to do with this. Right. Yeah. And for me. Good. So also like so. So for you at this point. Right. Like this is at, at this point in this in this story. And in this documentary, this is probably like the second major subversion in what you might have yeah. been expecting. Mm-hmm. Right. So what are you thinking at this point? Are you like, this is it? I think that's yeah. I'm like, OK, the rest of this show is going to be him tying up the pieces of Bigfoot being involved in this murder. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when it happens when when it comes out like it shows on screen yeah we verified he did not have any there's no evidence that he had a daughter of any kind in 1993 yeah. right i was like what like, what like, the fuck yeah, yeah what is this gonna be how it ends and then it it ropes you back in again with that idea of like the theme of sasquatch and monsters with him having this introspective moment of man am i just like the squatchers now where i can just kind of see the truth in yeah. the distance between the trees. And I'm just scrambling to find that one piece of evidence that'll lead me to it. Right. And you're like, Oh, okay. That's why That's it's called, why Sas- it's called so- Sasquatch. <laughs> because he, he can't find the truth. It's obscured through all of the mist of time and secrecy and all this kind of stuff. Right. And he has this moment where he's like talking about, the process to this point and then he says well sometimes when you're investigating a mystery you come to a dead end and you have to go back to the beginning of the maze right and he goes back to the beginning of the maze and it's i i was like what i multiple times i was like there's no fucking way this is really happening but he calls up the guy if you will remember that the story was he was in this cabin and these tweakers came in and they're like Bigfoot killed these guys, right? A Bigfoot. Right. They tore him apart. And he calls up the cabin owner and he's like, hey, first of all, multiple times throughout this show at this point, he's been like, hey, let's let's obscure the names. Let's obscure the faces. He's shown fear. But there is an aside. There's a there is a behind the scenes moment of him telling his production crew, whoever is editing this, do not fucking put this guy's name in the movie. That's this is like I love how a lot of the things that they set up earlier in the documentary and earlier in the show from like a thematic standpoint and from a fact factorio standpoint, factoid standpoint, just come back in at like at the right times. Right. Like you mentioned before, like when he shows this type of emotion it's because it's gone and to, sh- to show you and basically prove to you why you should be scared that he is scared. Yeah. Like this guy does not fuck around. He has been through some shit. He has seen some shit. He says at one point for reasons he doesn't care to investigate people with dark paths feel a sense of comfort around him and he feels the same way about them. Yeah. And so when he goes to the point when he's talking and he's he looks at at the camera, not at the guy, right? Not at the guy that the producer that he's talking to at the camera. And he's like, I swear to God, if you put this name in this documentary, do 
not put this name in this documentary yeah. and like his hands are shaking you're just like fuck yeah because this is the guy that's wandering around town i even said to you this is a good way to get shot saying yeah. hey does anyone know bigfoot gary right you know what i mean like that's just a saying good, it. and he's like i'm sure he's scared doing that too but like the, this is the guy doing that and then looking at the camera and shaking and saying please don't put his name in right yeah but anyway <laughs> right so we've established that this guy is serious business but he's talking to him and the guy basically lays it out for him yeah the story's true here's what i'm willing to to say to you right so a bunch of these old time growers got together and they were all high on substances because it was harvest time and everybody was doing stimulants to stay awake yep right up for 24 7 yeah and they got this idea in their heads that uh he so i'm i'm quoting him here he's like uh the all these mexicans are a problem and he, he what's it's comical that he would say this given <laughs> yeah. what he's about to describe he says not all mexicans but yeah, just for the record not all mexicans but the mexicans that we were talking about in this yeah. in this time period yeah and these the, he lays out the scenario that basically um mexicans were coming across the border probably from the cartel right to muscle their way into operations by basically they would just get jobs there. And at a certain point when they outnumbered or overpowered the rest of the people it would just become their operation. Like if, if, if 15 uh, undocumented workers, Mexican or otherwise, even if they came from other parts of middle or South yeah, America, sure. right? Right. If they came and there's only one elderly farmer, they can be like, this is ours now, old man. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just manpower. Right. Yeah. So, um, they decided that they were going to send a message because one person allegedly said, man, I wish we had some chupacabras or something to scare these people off. And someone said, well, we have something better. So they they concoct this scenario where they murder these guys in the middle of the grow operation and tear up all the plants and make this huge scene and chop them up to frame Sasquatch. And they've been seeding these stories in the community collectively that there are wild sasquatches that are attacking the operations stories that david himself had been hearing in the scene when he was out there and part of the genesis of the story like why he is curious about this murder mystery and it all culminates in this beautiful synchronicity of one night they took this tweaker that they knew was a blabbermouth, the people that were in on it, to see the scene of the murder. And he comes back and he's in a frothing fury and he's like, oh, my God, a Bigfoot killed these guys. Right. Look at the tracks. Look at the state of the scene. It wasn't a ripoff where they just ripped the plants out and take them. It wasn't a robbery, basically. Right. A Bigfoot killed these guys. And their plan was that this tweaker was just going to go around spreading rumors. Right. It was going to mm -hmm. try and scare people off. And I'm, and, sitting, yeah, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, there's no fucking way that this is what really, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's no way that after this whole journey we've been on, this is this is what it is. And it's it's fascinating because it's like, oh, my God, all of these pieces make sense now. It's it, the way that this story is told. I mean, obviously, it's not definitive proof, but sure, right. Like, okay, you think you have this idea of, oh, he just misheard. It was that Bigfoot, Bigfoot Gary killed these guys, right? But now you're right. like, oh, mm -hmm. but now the fact that he had heard all these stories about Sasquatches attacking the farm, 
here's this guy saying they made that shit up on purpose to scare people. Right. Yeah. It, and it's because I think that like, you know, this, like I said, there's, there are a lot of themes that continue to, uh, to rise up at different points throughout the documentary that, um, and I think this one specifically about, you know, the stories, right? Like the validity of stories, right? How can we truly know? Well, Bob Gimlin, well, I say that prove me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. Right. But, and I said this to you after, after we, right after we finished watching, it's like, I think if you were to tell somebody right off the bat, hey, this story is kind of going to end how it begins yeah. in a way. Right. You would kind of be like, ah, eh, you know? Yeah. But I think that the way that it just builds to this moment to go from the most unbelievable to possibly the most believable angle. Oh, Bigfoot Gary. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Bigfoot Gary. Until you find out that the reveal, the truth is also in and of itself so unbelievable that you believe it. Yeah. Well, it's it's this thing, too, that we we talked about this in, in regards to the believability of stories. One of my pet peeves of a lot of true crime and otherwise mystery documentaries is that they try and get this definitive factual finality to something that you can't. Like, yeah, I know recently that uh, it has come out that uh, the, this guy says that Dyatlov Pass, you, you know, the story of Dyatlov Pass. No, I don't. Uh, so it's a it's a well-known world mystery, like a, some pseudo paranormal thing. These hikers in Russia in the Otlov Pass all mysteriously died. They were in a tent that shows evidence that they broke out from the inside oh, in yeah. the middle of the I'm, night. Yeah. OK, yeah, so you know okay. the story, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Recently, there is a scientist. I'll, I'll finish the story just in case. Anyway, there's evidence that they broke out in the middle of the night from their tent and ran basically naked into the frozen tundra and they died basically. Right. And it's always this thing of why would they do that? Right. Um, There's a scientist recently that came out with this thing and I saw a lot of, of pseudo documentary content about it. Well, it was a, it was a avalanche. It's this type of like sheet avalanche that happens and people are pointing out like that doesn't explain everything, but all the documentaries and the scientists, well, I don't care. It's done. Right. Oh, it's like, OK, but you didn't answer the questions. Right. <laughs> yeah. The, right. It's it's the finality of it. Same thing in any of these true crime things. Um, When when we talk about the Zodiac killer and the different mm. pieces that focus on specific people and they make it seem like it's absolutely this person when they generally they have no idea. Right. Yeah. Right. This kind of thing to me hits better because he's never going to solve this murder. These guys' body parts, because they were torn apart, are scattered somewhere across the mountain. It was 30 damn years ago. There's no evidence left. Most of the people involved are probably dead or gone, right? There is no way he's going to solve this murder. So the fact that he gets a satisfying story that he can convince himself to believe is the best he's going to get. 
and it's the best we're going to get. And it's not lying to you about it. You know what I mean? No. And it's also, I think it's just the build is so well thought through to get us to that point, you know, as the viewer is like, you know, we, like we mentioned before with the back to the landers and their booby trapping and then the hell's angels moving in and everything like there's just this fact that never goes away that spy rock specifically is just the Bermuda fucking triangle, right? Mm -hmm. Do not go there. It is dangerous. And I mean, there, there were several points throughout this documentary while we were watching to it where you're just like, is he fucking crazy? Yeah. To put on a hidden camera in his button and go up to one of these farms, right? And speak to them. And like, there's this moment where he's talking to these people on their farm. They don't know that he's recording them, Mm -hmm. right? Because he even asked them at one point, like, do you mind if I take a couple pictures of your property? They know he's an investigative journalist, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. Right. But at one point he says, he's like, he asked the guy, do you think it's dangerous for me to be up here? And there is this palpable pause. And he says, no, I think you're fine. Yeah. Right. Almost like I had to think about it for a second. Yeah. Cause there's this thing too, where, like you said, he asked to take pictures of the property and they're like, well, yeah, sure. But don't take any pictures of license plates. And he gets like this quiet moment to yourself. And he's like, Oh fuck man. Oh fuck. You know what I mean? Like he's, he, he feels his feelings for a second. Yeah. He is legitimately in danger. And these, these are hardcore redneck. Like they're, they're straight up racist. They, they say to him some words that get bleeped Mm -hmm. out that are very obvious what they're saying. And, uh, they're probably armed to the teeth, right? It looks like a compound. It looks like he went into like a militia compound. Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, like, and I was, let's just put it this way. Like there are a a few hatches to get in and out of some underground bunkers around the places that he, around the property that he was at. I mean, it's, it's one of those, like where it just looks like a shack on the surface and you just know, right? Like there's so much more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it should just the, the amount of racism, paranoia and greed up in that area, I think all just mix in the air to create. I, to put this to put David Holthouse understanding the things that he's done, what he's been through in this position. It's just like you almost have a hard time believing that it's actually real, that it even yeah. exists. Again, it's this feeling of synchronicity of like, of course, it happens to this guy of all people. Right. Like the guy that wrote a piece like the guy that's famous for finding monsters. He talks about this in the show, but not monsters, the monsters that live among us humans. He wrote about when he was a child and a guy raped him. Right. He writes about living basically living amongst the Nazis, the neo-Nazis. Right. He writes about real Mm -hmm. life monsters. And then he's thrust into this scenario where, like you said, the racism, the paranoia, the greed, all of these things have created a literal den of monsters. This is the place on the map marked here. There be monsters go no further. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's yeah. 
it's bizarre. It's 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 the most reality is stranger than fiction thing I've seen in a long time. Oh, especially when they start when they show the footage of like going up into the trees and up into the mountains up there, mm-hmm. and it, it you're you're literally just like. I, like I was like, don't go any further. Like on the, yeah. on the inside, mm-hmm. I was stop driving. I'm a I'm a country boy, and it whacked me out because yeah. like yeah. Uh, we talked about this. Like I'm I'm from an area. I'm from a, an extremely rural area. I'm I'm the place I'm from. The Amish that get kicked out of Lancaster County come and live in this area. It oh is, my god! <laughs> it is about as backwoods as you can get in Pennsylvania. Oh, and there's woods near my house where you could disappear about a couple hundred people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking at this area and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. do not go any further. <laughs> you know what I mean? Please stop and go home. Yeah. And I, uh, I almost all of the cast of characters that he speaks to throughout this, of which there are many. I mean, we have spoken about razor. Yes. But my absolute favorite, it's gotta be ghost dance ghost dance is so cool i i want to be ghost dance <laughs> that's yeah. that's my that's my dream to just wear a like a like a derby cowboy hat have just this long hair with like you know just i mean these loose sort of you know uh uh indigenous like native american like yeah neck necklaces he's the man ghost dance is the jack of all trades too he talks about sasquatch he talks so ghost dance we should add he's one of the talking heads that they interview basically yeah um he's a super chilled out old dude with this house full of like pioneer and native paraphernalia and they interview him about literally everything he tells them about sasquatch he tells him about the back to the landers. He tells him about camp. He tells him about the current state of the crime ridden drug trade. He tells him yep. about the hell's angels. <laughs> he tells him about alleged killer. Oh, oh, and and he's even like, like when they talk about the hell's angels, he's like, I, uh, I could set you, I can, I, yeah, yeah, I, I could set you up with somebody, yeah. and you're just like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> he's. He is the absolute jack of all trades. He's and that's that's kind of the magic of this too. Is the people that he interviews are not the dignity and the grace that he allows these people to. I think is not typical. It's not like I've never seen it before. That's that's a that's a good point. Yeah, you don't interview a man like Ghost Dance in your typical documentary about a true crime series and have him be a valued informant right like he's his word is taken as basically law and not law but like it's it's taken completely seriously and like Mm -hmm. you said there's a moment where he's like yeah i can get you in touch with the hell's angel i think so at least and he does he does (laughs) like who does that right yeah and that even i mean it's and i don't like not to misrepresent ghost dance because I did not get the vibe from ghost dance that like we are dealing with a hardened criminal. Yeah. The way that I did with razor. Right. But it it still goes, I think back to that thing of 
for reasons I don't care to investigate yeah, further, exactly. people feel this way around me. Right. And um, that's another moment for me of like, when I think about that and I think about like even razor. So like, first off the guy calls himself razor. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you see him, you're like, Oh, you're, you're definitely a razor. He yeah. looks like a razor. That's definitely not his real name, but it it, it is. Close enough. You, it, yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, they even just like they go on a drive together and yeah. they're like talking to each other. And it's just it's that other thing of when people are like this are interviewed in these true crime documentaries, you don't see it with that type of intimacy. That's a great point, because that's one of the things that we talked about. And it's one of my favorite parts of this documentary is uh, I hope I, I think that I, I brought this up in our interlude and not in this show. I hope I'm not repeating myself, but. One thing that is really apparent about this series is that when you watch true crime documentaries, it's always done with this sterile, distant kind of retelling of a story angle, right? Especially Mm -hmm. ones on Netflix. I watch a lot of these, right? And like, uh, so like most recently, uh, Murder Among the Mormons comes to mind as a great Uh example of this, right? Where, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a very compelling story, but it's not the the guy making the film is not in it. Yeah. And that that is a very tried and true method of storytelling where it's not about me. It's about this thing that is happening. But as a result, it feels more like kind of a voyeuristic look into something as opposed to even the Werner Herzog method, I think is better at this, where you living this gives it such an authenticity. Right. Yeah. Right. And a, mm-hmm. and, a, and a palpableness. Like, I feel like I can reach out and touch these people because you're sitting in the heart and in the car with this strung out meth head lady that's telling you about a double murder that her son witnessed. And she's having basically a breakdown. Right. It's not yeah. in this sterile environment where you have three lights on her face. You're in you know the parking I mean? lot of boomers. Yeah, you're in the parking lot of, of a restaurant <laughs> called Boomers. And she offered you a hit of meth before you started. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you just you just don't see that every day. No. <laughs> hey. no. But it's it, it is so true, right? And it's even like on the flip side of that with Ghost Dance, right? Mm-hmm. Where Ghost Dance is not a strung out meth head in the parking lot of no. boomers. Ghost Dance is just a chill old hippie that grows really good dope. Yeah. Right. It's still that thing of, you know, we we get a chance to see a little bit about ghost dance. We're in his home, seeing all these jars of his own grow that he's got. Yeah. And he's showing us his, you know what I mean? Showing us his nuggets. Right. And it's like, you know, that theme of Holt house has a certain thing. Your beacon analogy. Yeah. His beacon is with the deviant. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just get to go along the on on the ride with that. And it's great. Yeah. It's great for that. Well, there's, there's so many people that are just telling him shit that I'm like, are you allowed to say that? Like, well, even when she even when he like I know it's hidden audio, but even yeah. when he finds the lady that tells him and gets him in touch with Bigfoot Gary. Right. Yeah. He's like, hey, I hear that uh, a guy named Bigfoot is a regular around here. The lady's like. It's almost like she doesn't want to say the things that she's saying, but she can't resist. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I know Bigfoot. And he's like, okay, well, do you think that he's going to be in here today? And he's like, she doesn't say anything. And and then eventually he's like, 
look, I'm not from around here. I don't want to approach the wrong guy. And she's like, no, 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 I understand. Yeah. And then he just leaves her his number. And then Bigfoot Gary's wife calls him. Yeah. It's just like he's like this, this beacon. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like I said, synchronicity. It's this idea that there's it, it feels unreal. The things that happen to this man. And you have to wonder, it's part of the mysticism of the thing of you have to wonder, is it because he's going out and searching and this could happen to anyone or is there something special about him? It's compelling, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, I think that that goes back to this gonzo journalistic technique, right? This, Mm -hmm. this thing that he obviously takes this, but you know, style and motifs that he obviously takes great pride in. Um, this is this is that fully realized for me. It is it is not just a documentary about the thing that happened. It's it almost like you just said it almost feels unreal. It almost feels fictionalized. It almost feels embellished and it really isn't. And I yeah. think it has that balance and walks that line brilliantly. And my favorite part of the whole thing which I got to get your thoughts on this. What did you think of the, the, the animations? Yeah. And how they were utilized. I think it's thematically extremely appropriate. And I, th- I, I like it because there is no, there's not going to be footage of 26 years ago on a dope farm. There's not going to be footage of these kind of anecdotal scenarios. He brings up where well, I met this guy in a, alleyway and he didn't want to be recorded or filmed and no names right yeah right so there's these animatics that are halfway between charcoal drawings and like watercolor paintings or something mm-hmm. right yeah and slight animations yeah exactly they're 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 basically animatics and they if the first time you see one which is like basically immediately as the show starts you're like what the what is this what the fuck am i yeah. watching right because yeah. you're also used to these dramatic reenactments or CSI looking 3D models were like, well, we believe that if he was here <laughs> and if he fired the gun in this direction, here's the possible yeah. cone that the bullet could have hit. You're used to these real, again, really sterile things, right? Mm-hmm. And you get this weird ass animatic. You're like, what the fuck am I watching? This dude yeah. looks, they, the, the people that they're showing like, yeah, he looks strung out the way they yeah. drew him, right? He looks like he's out of his mind, right? Right. And the animatics, I think, are they're great thematically because this is such a show about story and myth. And it's more appropriate that it's almost like this storybook picture. Yeah. The way that it's remembered more than it is photo evidence. Right. Well, we track down a photo of this guy and here's it in still while we talk over it. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think it really like like I mentioned before, it also really uh, helps you almost like be in the scene because yeah. it's not, you know, you can't go film like I, I think about that, uh, that my favorite I think my favorite of the bunch is when he tells the story of going to the bar. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I talked to in like he's like I talked to the guy who was just really matter of factly. After the entire restaurant left and it was only our table of just me and all these like, you know, long in the tooth and old head dope growers. And this guy just looks at me. He's like, so I hear you're looking into those three guys that Bigfoot whacked back in 93, huh? Right. That part where he said, so 
first off, my favorite part of that is when they show the outside shot of their table from the window and it's just like the the light the dim light inside and it's just showing their silhouettes. Yeah. The dude that's up against the window is obviously ghost dance. He's got his hat and the long hair underneath it. Yep. And I was like, Oh, so ghost dance hooked you up with a cheeky little meaning. The the dude ghost dance. He's just a man. He's the goat. Yeah. But I, I, I loved those animatics. I thought they just went, a really long way to continue those themes, those intimate themes, those things of we can't show you, but we can help you like see it. We can help yeah. you realize it. And it's just mm-hmm. so much fun. Yeah, it's really cool. The whole love- the whole operation is expertly yeah. crafted for my dollar. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I love those ones too. Like uh, the ones at the end where it shows the Bigfoot walking between the trees and it yeah. keeps shifting, shifting to a man and back to yeah. a Sasquatch. Well, that's, yeah. that's the other thing. We talked about this during Perfect Blue, but that's one of the things that animation can do that's so neat, right? Even it, the man shifting between the trees. Also, when he when he gets the puzzle piece of Bigfoot Gary, there's a shot with a Bigfoot print that turns into, it literally morphs before our eyes into a boot print. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like there's the, um, those moments of like, aha. Yep. Right. Yeah, man. I, uh, I'm, I'm just, I just love this documentary so much. Yeah. And, um, and you know, there's not, there's not really much to it, you know, outside of, you know, what we've discussed here, you know, it's not something that's like con- conceptually rich or anything like that. You know, I think it's got a lot of cool themes to it. A lot of great, interesting points, but above all else, it's just just an incredible story. And I gotta know, did it chill? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> this is one of the better documentaries that I've, I've seen in a long time. I mean, I think you said it yourself. You owe it to yourself just if you like a, a good, bizarre story. But I would say that if you're a fan of documentaries and especially true crime documentaries, because again, I watch a lot of them. I think you owe it to yourself to give this a watch just for how different it is right yeah it's so non-stop bizarre in a way that few crime documentaries ever are and it really feels personal and it feels human in a way that a lot of crime documentaries are not it's it's fantastic i wholeheartedly recommend it i'm even gonna check out some of this guy's stuff because chris you know that i read a lot right oh yeah I'm I'm going to try and find a some way I can get a collected works of this dude and read through his stuff because I, th- I think you really like mill rats. Yeah, I the the guy is. I don't know what to call it, like talented is the word that comes to mind, but that's not what I mean he's, at all. He's he is fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. He is. Unique. Yeah. And there, so, that is the most loaded time loaded use of unique i've ever used in my life there is no one like this man right yeah yeah and i i'm so glad you liked the like the documentary i mean obviously like i said i think it's my favorite documentary true crime documentary just period it's just it's excellent it it, it drips with style uh authenticity like you said i i really cannot recommend it enough and i'm glad we're on the same page and also i think it it really also uh these things and the reasons that we like this documentary are also prevalent 
in the recent Night Stalker doc- documentary mm-hmm. series on Netflix, which he helped produce. He was yeah. a producer of that. So if you've seen that, you've got to see this. Yeah. Well, Sasquatch, grade A approval, high marks, king of the shill recommendation. I'm glad we continue our search for something that does not shill. Yeah. <laughs> I, All I'm right. Ki- I'm curious as to what that's going to be. Yeah, it's uh it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what it is when it finally comes, but I'm glad that it wasn't Sasquatch. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely not. Well, don't forget you can check out all the previous episodes of King of the Shill at themanyfolds.com on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts as well as Amazon and Google and all the other shit that you can find your podcasts at. We have a YouTube channel. You can find us at The Many Folds on YouTube where we have all these podcasts as well. And don't forget to check out our socials at Twitter and Instagram at The Many Folds where we will be posting all sorts of good memes coming up soon because we got another arc on the horizon, Scott. So, so we should be we should be discovering more about that soon. As Reggie once said, my body is ready. But until then, this has been Sasquatch. See you, Scott. King of the Shield.